Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, with Christmas and the New Year behind us, we're returning to our expository preaching series through the book of Mark. We dive back in at the beginning of chapter 5, and we'll go through verses 1 through 20, well, eventually. The miracles of Jesus included casting demons out of demon-oppressed and even controlled people. So Pastor Jim will park on this passage for three weeks, this week being the first, to teach through the passage and at the same time answer perplexing questions such as, what about demons today? Do they still possess people? Should we fear them? Can I be possessed by demons? And who casts demons out today? All of this and more will be dealt with, all answers coming from Scripture over the course of this week and the next two weeks to come. Here is today's portion of the message entitled, Jesus' Power Over Demons, Part 1. They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouted with a loud voice and said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered into the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. 
as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, and he did not let him, but said to them, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim it in Decapolis, what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. That's quite a passage. (laughs) It kind of gives you the tingles just trying to picture that. There's nothing like this, as I said, anywhere else in the Bible. This is the, the, the pinnacle, if you will, of the direct interaction between Jesus and demons. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this incident, but it is orders of magnitude beyond the other encounters between Jesus and demons. So I want to sort through everything that's here, and you're going to see another amazing demonstration of the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. All right, I've outlined it for you. Lord knows how long it will take us to get through this, at least two weeks. And I'm still hedging on the third one. We'll see next week. Here's what you're going to see here. You're going to meet the man from the tombs. And then today we'll get beyond that and start to look at the power of Jesus, verses 6 through 13. And then you'll see the unbelief and finally the true faith. So look back at this again and let's start uh, sorting it out. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, as you meet the man from the tombs. They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. Now, the other side of the sea, they they didn't cross an ocean. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It's actually a large lake. Uh, That's where they headed from Capernaum. Capernaum's on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And and to the east of there and a little bit south is where they they landed. We're not told... Why this trip? Jesus just said suddenly, let's go across to the other side. Remember, they they took him, didn't even go home and pack. They just left after the day of teaching there. Uh, It's quite reasonable that the intention may have been to find a quieter place. This was a very rural area, much less population. Jesus was not known in those parts. And so it might have been seeking some peace and quiet away from the relentless mobs of people who came to Jesus every day, day in and day out. Uh, It's also quite possible that this was part of Jesus' plan to spend more time with the apostles. That was the pattern during the, the final year of His ministry. Beginning with the momentous day that we just studied, that day on which the Pharisees rejected Jesus uh, openly and publicly and said that he was demonic. Starting with that day, Jesus changed his method of teaching in public. He went to parables and he, and he, and he did less and less, if you will, public appearances. Uh, there were plenty of them, but he, he spent more time pulling away from the crowds and the populated places and training the disciples uh, in private. We also don't know, this is one of those passages that reveals a a whole bunch of things and leaves you more with with probably more questions than you have answers when you get done, but one of the things we don't know is to what extent Jesus knew what was going to happen. If you follow through His life, we know that um, He always rigorously 
did the bidding of his father and said what the father told him to say. But it's not clear that Jesus always knew what was going to happen next. Now, he, he knew the grand plan, and sometimes you see in Jesus clear evidence of divine omniscience. Like Nicodemus comes to talk to him, and it says Jesus answered him. Nicodemus never asked a question. And Jesus gave the answer to the unasked question. There were times that Jesus would, would know what people were thinking and would address it before they had, they had said it. There, and there's times it says He knows what is in their hearts. But it doesn't seem that that was always the case. Well, the reason is that we know that Jesus, in His voluntary submission to the Father during His earthly ministry, He set aside the prerogative to exercise His divine attributes independently of the Father. So (coughs) it, it doesn't seem like this is scripted by Jesus, but on the other hand, maybe he knew exactly where they were going. If it was an R and R trip, there wasn't much of either R while they were there, because this event happens and then they're back on the boat and going back across the Sea of Galilee again. So Nothing in our text makes it clear that Jesus knew what they would encounter or who they would encounter, but it's also true, um, the text makes it clear, Jesus wasn't put back on his heels. He wasn't caught off guard by this. Now, it says the group landed in the country of the Gerasenes. It gets that name because they landed by a small town called Gerasa, or sometimes it's spelled Gergasa. It's on the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, It fits the description of this event perfectly. Uh, In Matthew 8, however, and uh, the people who like to hate the Bible uh, claim it's a contradiction, it says there that they landed in the country of the Gadarenes instead of the Gerasenes. Now, that's worth losing your faith over, right? Um, Different words. Well, the truth is there's actually a perfect resolution of that. There is the town of Garasa, a small village right on the sea, and then just a little bit inland from there is sort of like the the county seat, and it was a larger city called Gadara. So is it the region of the Gerasenes, or is it the region of the Gadarenes? Yes, it is. It's both. It'd be like saying Lewis and Clark came to the region of Cuna, or they came into the region of Boise. Which would be accurate? Both, because Cuna is a subset of the greater Boise area. Now, the problem with my illustration is there were neither Cuna nor Boise when Lewis and Clark came through, okay? So, bad illustration, but you get the point. Now, they arrive. There's a welcoming committee. And it was not sent by the Chamber of Commerce or the Tourist Commission of Garasa or Gadara. Look at verse 2 into verse 3. When he got out of the boat, immediately, there's Mark's favorite word, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. Now, it was, it was common in those days for uh, burial chambers, tombs, to be carved into hillsides, kind of like, you know, storing your books on shelves. You can carve into there and, and have a burial chamber for the body or eventually an ossuary, the, just the bones that are, that, are, that are kept there. We have a lot of uh, examples of those in uh, the world of archaeology. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.